0: Hello everyone. Yes, we have Scott McCain here, who is a business consultant. He is also a world famous author. He has authored seven books, and he is also a business speaker, right? Uh, Scott, uh, you recently had a new release, right? It's called The Iconic. Would you like to talk about that? Perhaps before that, you could also talk about yourself so that the audience can know about it, right?
1: Well, thanks, Andre. You know, speakers joke that uh, the the question we most like is, "Tell us about yourself," because we're,
0: we're always ready
1: to talk about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very fortunate. I I got started very early in this business and have been a uh, author and professional speaker for a long time. I I started by giving uh, speeches, and then a publisher came to me and said, "Gosh, have you have you written the book?" And I had not done that, and. I was very for fortunate the first book was called all businesses show business it did well they asked for a second book and and now uh, we've finished up a book seven which was iconic and i was i was very very fortunate that forbes uh on their website named it one of the 10 best business books of the year so that was that was a very 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 good fortune but it it talks about the importance of both the customer and the employee experience and and why the employee experience is so critical to a business being able to stand out from the competition, and you know, one one of the things I talk about in terms of customers mm-hmm. is that customers don't just choose to do business with the organization; right. they choose you instead of the other alternatives that are available in the marketplace. and And now, what we're seeing throughout the world is that the same is true with employees. Right. That uh, employees now are making their selections. So, therefore, this this ability to stand out, this ability to be attractive to employees. To not only acquire them, but to retain them once they're there in this hyper-competitive employment marketplace mm-hmm. is, is so important. So that's that's a primary focus of my work is how do we create an employee experience that is so compelling
0: mm-hmm. that
1: their loyalty and engagement becomes assured? Oh, okay. Oh,
0: that's interesting. So, Is that what you were talking about on your book, uh, which is The Iconic? Yeah, you know
1: what iconic performers do is they transcend their own category. My my first book on the subject was was called uh, Create Distinction. I was talking about what a business could do to stand out from the competition. And then one of my really good uh, global clients said, uh, "Well, Scott, you've taught us how to how to get it. How do we keep it? You know, or how do we get it back in case we've lost it? Uh And and how do we do more than just stand out in our own little category? You know, I mean." They're, they're overused examples, right. but a company, but they're global. So I, I, I use some of them, you know, Apple, you don't just think of those as being, you don't think of Apple of, of being in a single category of, of devices. Right. They've transcended their category. And, and there are other examples in, in various countries around the world that, that, that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's, that's what we have to be now as an organization to attract the top talent is not just really good in our category. We have to be iconic so that we attract. I mean, it, it, it's funny, but as I as I have spoken with and, and, and have as clients, you know, Disney isn't having that much difficulty attracting people to work for them. Apple is not having trouble attracting people to work for them. So on a much smaller level, what can we in other businesses do? to mm-hmm. attract talent in the way that they're attracting them. And not only attract them, what experience do they have when they get there? Because right. I've, I've been on boards of directors of publicly traded companies. And, and one of the things that we find is that, you know the, the employee experience is what creates retention. Right. And, and I think in most organizations, from a financial standpoint, the most overlooked expense, and I, I don't care if we're talking about a Fortune 500 company, or if we're talking about a small entrepreneurial business, I think the most overlooked expense is what happens when we lose an employee because we lose the productivity. We have training expenses to get the new person on board and up the speed. We have the problem that they, you know, if, if an employee would pick up their computer and walk out the door, we'd have the police go after them, right? But the employee can walk out the door with these relationships that are of benefit to our company. And, and we don't think about what that costs us. So the employee experience has never been more important for organizations to focus on and to understand how they deliver.
0: Oh uh, Yeah. Uh, so you, you did speak about employee experiences. And is that why you named your book Iconic? Because you wanted to show that, okay, companies which are iconic in terms of employee experiences, which progresses towards the future?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, because, you know, we're, we're attracted Mm -hmm. to those iconic performers. I mean, whether we're talking about sports, you know, I mean uh, on a global basis, someone like, uh, you know, Ronaldo is, is known everywhere. Um, When we're talking about organizations, you know, you can talk about Apple or Starbucks, they're known everywhere. We are attracted to iconic performers, but what I tried to do in the book was to find some, some smaller players So that we didn't think that you had to be Apple. Let me give you one one example. There is a restaurant, a steakhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes. That has higher gross revenue than the world famous Tavern on the Green in New York City. They have a focus on the employee experience, which has created such a compelling experience that their customers come back again and again and again. As an example, the Rolling Stones played two nights in Indianapolis Mm-hmm. And it was later in Keith Richards biography, the autobiography, that the reason they did that is they wanted to eat at this restaurant two times. So when the Rolling Stones are altering their concert schedule, because they want to do business with you, that that's, that's pretty amazing. And, and the owner of the restaurant told me, he said, it, it's, it's about the employee experience. One of the things that they do, for example, just a quick example is every server mm-hmm. has a business card, and right. every server is encouraged to look at waiting on a customer at the table as their small business. So they give them the business card. They give them a number that they can call the, the, the server to make a reservation at that server's table in the future. Every year they give a bottle of wine and the vintage is when the server began working there. And they've got servers that have been there 20, 30 years. So they're buying 1992 vintage wine to give to, to the server as a gift for it. But that's part of their retention strategy. One of the things that I learned by talking with small businesses uh, like like that restaurant Mm -hmm. is that organizations tend to have a very competitive, uh, uh, highly uh, uh, analytical approach to acquiring and retaining customers. Yet, they, in many cases, haven't planned employee acquisition and retention with as much passion and precision as as what they have about customers. Every organization will have a big sales conference about how we're going to go out and sell more. Mm -hmm. But those organizations typically don't have conferences about how we're going to recruit better employees and how we're going to keep our employees and and things like that. So what we have to do, and and, and that's why I love what you folks are doing with Survey Sparrow. I'm I'm a client of yours. And and, and that's part of what I love is that it, it helps us keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening at this moment with our employees so that we can enhance our ability to retain and recruit
0: right uh, yeah i totally agree with it but i think if if i can just re uh, rephrase what you just explained it's sure. to do with uh, you, you're mentioning that you have to first look what is wrong within your house before you look at your neighbor's house right
1: yeah you're you're exactly right and 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 that's one of the things i pointed out in the book iconic as well is that One of the things that employers have to get over Mm -hmm. is assuming that an employee who brings you difficult news is a difficult employee. There's some studies done at uh, Texas A&M University here in the United States Mm -hmm. about the old SWOT analysis, strengths, opportunities, or strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And one of the things they found is that in many organizations, that SWOT analysis isn't as relevant as it should be, because mm-hmm. employees are afraid to point out weaknesses and threats. Right. Because of the perception that an employee that brings you bad news must be a bad employee. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found in my research is iconic organizations research their employees. Mm-hmm. they want to know the bad news because then they can address it. Yes. They, so many times, for example, in customer relationships. Right. If a customer brings us a problem, mm-hmm. the organization will do what it takes to fix the, you know, make sure that that customer is happy. Yet they won't go deeply enough to fix the the process Mm -hmm. that created that problem in the first place. And we see that with employee relationships as well. If an employee brings us a problem, we think, oh, they must be a negative employee. No, they're bringing us the information we need to fix the process so that we can become a better organization. So everything that we can do to encourage employees to be engaged Mm -hmm. with feedback, both positive and negative helps us fix the process that retains and enhances employee engagement. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. But one thing, uh, Scott, that I was thinking about is that um, you did speak about all of this, right? So what you are telling me is that employee experience has a direct correlation to the outcome in terms of the customer experience right, that they give to the customer.
1: Totally, completely. And, and, and that's been something I've been talking about for a long time, uh, is that why would we ever expect that an employee that has not been receiving a great experience by working for an organization mm-hmm. is then going to turn around and deliver a great experience for the customers of that organization? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I, 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 I'm, I'm really specific about in, in, in my writing and speaking, Andre, mm-hmm. is that I, I, I look at employees as internal customers. Uh, yep. psychologist Joseph John developed that that line of thinking many, many years ago. Right. But, but when we think of our employees as internal customers, mm-hmm. we, we view them and look at them and treat them uh, uh, with a little bit more respect, perhaps uh, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of the day, what, what do we want from customers, whether they're external or internal? Well, right. any organization wants commitment. They want loyalty. They want an ongoing relationship. They want the relationship to become more valuable. Well, we want that of our external customers. We want we should want that of our internal customers as well. One of the things that bothers me at, at a lot of events that that particularly pre pandemic I'd go to is I, w- I would see a CEO stand up and say our employees are our greatest asset, and then they treated them like an expense.
0: Yeah
1: right? An expense is something that I seek to minimize. I seek to do, you know, I, 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 want, I, I want my expenses to be as precise and as minimal as I can possibly get by with, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want to cut so much that I hurt my organization, but I, I want to minimize expenses as best I can. But an asset is something I invest in and I want to grow and I want to nourish and I want to, I want to expand my assets. Right, we, A lot of organizations give lip service Mm -hmm. that employees are assets, but then they treat them like an expense. And I think what we have to do, and that's part of why we're seeing the great resignation going on uh, here in the States and throughout the world, is that employees have finally gotten to the point that it's an employee-based marketplace and they don't have to deal with organizations that don't treat them well anymore. So the, the, the HR department and the HR leader that really gets this and really understands this is going to be the one that is constantly surveying their employees and they're, they're, they're working on the data and they understand from, a, from, from not just not just what we know and, and not just a, a, a gut feel, of, you know, an intuition, but really from the data about where we need to work to make things happen so that we enhance the engagement of employees so they in turn create a better internal culture and an external customer experience.
0: That's that's uh, really interesting, Scott. Because um, you did mention about uh, for me. What I uh, noted down is that uh, which struck my mind is that you said that when you went to these uh, corporate events, that you see the CEO saying that employees are our biggest asset, and you told them that uh, told me that they kind of treat them as an expense rather, even though it's them just saying that it's an asset. It's always just. Uh, uh, talking, right? lip service, as you mentioned, if I have to put it in your own word, wordplay, right? So uh, for, for me, that is interesting because uh, let's say uh, an organization who does that, like the, the CEO is doing it, if they have to actually have a great employee experience program or, or, or a culture in which they are focusing on employee experience where does it start? Is it, does it start from the CEO, and uh, or is it like an org-wide mindset that has to be brought in?
1: That, that's a great question, and, and Andre, the, the the correct I think and, and easy answer is it has to start with the CEO. Yep. Uh, if if the people at the top aren't committed to it, mm-hmm. it's it's very very difficult to make that part of the organizational culture.
0: Right.
1: Yet. In the real world, we know that there are many HR leaders who don't have the support of the CEO mm-hmm. at the level that they would desire. And so in the real world, what, what I tell HR executives and, and, and talent managers is that what you have to do is to do the best that you can with the knowledge that you have. Yep. Uh, I, I, it's funny, I, I was just working on this in the next book that I'm, that I'm writing about. And, and it's, it's like, look, in the real world, you may not have the support from the C-suite that, that you would like to have. So what's your alternative? Well, your alternative as a smart HR executive is to create what you know is right and what the data is telling you is the right way to go. And then either you're going to educate the C-suite or you're going to create such a great experience that you become attractive right? Because this attraction works both ways. As an employer, I want to be attractive to potential employees. Right. But as an employee, I want to be attractive to those people that are hiring. So, so you become more attractive in the marketplace when you create this, even if you have to do it without the support of the C-suite. Because at, at the end of the day, uh, all the research that I've done, I'm, I'm certain from, from the data that you're seeing, Andre, is that when employees are engaged, they tend to be more productive and they tend to stay longer at their organization. They create better things. And, and also, hey, you know, just on a very practical level, they make the job of HR executives easier when you have engaged employees who are contributing to the organization. That that, that makes your life easier as an HR executive. So all of this fits together in a way that can move organizations forward.
0: I kind of agree with what what you said. Is kind of like I feel like you're giving a path for people who want to start their employee experience journey in an organization, how they have to start it, especially you gave, uh, probably gave a snippet of advice to HR managers who want to start small, right? And you did mention about using a data-driven approach, right? Uh, So I know that you consult for a lot of organizations regarding employee experience. And uh, so when you're looking at a data-driven approach, Scott, uh, just wanted to understand, how uh so probably uh, th- these approaches would uh, culminate to doing surveys that should be a lot of uh, surveys involved in this thing and um, i was just wondering do you, do you usually do a lot of employee satisfaction survey and how do you actually uh, uh, tell uh, how, what is the advice that you would give uh, hr managers to do it on what frequency do you do that?
1: Well, we, we work with organizations based upon, we, we don't want to overwhelm employees with surveys, you know, But it, it and I, I hope you agree with that. It, it, if you do too much of it, then they feel, then we don't have time to, one of the things that's critical for employees is that they know that their input is valued. Okay. And so what you have to do, it seems to me, and what we consult is, is that we, we, we analyze and we survey employees to get the data. But then we simultaneously are telling employees how much we appreciate their input and that we're going to take action on it. Or if we're not going to take action, to provide a valid reason why we had to go in a different direction. or So at least they know they're heard. And, and I see some organizations that are surveying so much, mm-hmm. they don't let employees know that something is being done with the data, with the contribution, with the information. Mm -hmm. So part of, for example, a project we're working on now with a a, a medical tech company is surveying their team and simultaneously surveying their customers. Because one of the things that we find is that in in some organizations, there an accurate perceptions you know for example if you say to employees what do you think the level of customer experience is that we're providing to our external customers right. if if they think it's great but customers say it's not right. that's where we have to begin the coaching and the training and 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 the work with them is getting the the employee perception uh, at the level of the customer perception you can't you can't solve a problem of which you're not aware so we've got to we've got to show them through the data mm-hmm. what what the problem is Secondly then, the thing that we often find is a, a tremendous correlation between how employees are grading their employee experience and how customers are, are grading the customer experience. You know, In, in organizations, it, it, it just seems like it never fails. In organizations where, where employees are having a great experience and are highly engaged, customers say to us they buy more from the company and the customer is highly engaged. If employees aren't engaged, customers aren't engaged and they're looking to go somewhere else with their business. And so those are the kinds of things we, we find that when we survey both internally and externally and, and coordinate that data, we, we find some things that are really, really revealing. And, and the other part is, at least in, in our experience, is that when, when we can show the C-suite this data Uh, That the customer, you know, internally you think you're providing a great experience, but your customers are saying something else. Now, all of a sudden, the C-suite sees the importance of the employee experience because it has now we've proven through data the direct correlation between profitability and and gross sales and, and the employee experience.
0: Right. So you're saying that companies have started acknowledging the importance of employee experiences. And when you're saying that, is this because of some negative effects it had? Ha- companies have faced or whether they had some issues over it? And you also mentioned about the great resignation. Is it that the companies have started realizing that without a proper employee experience, we are not going to sustain in the future?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. To, to, to all of that. Look, you know, my, my first book many years ago was called All Businesses Show Business. And it was written uh, before we started talking so much about experience. But but part of, part of what I learned, uh, I, I had a little bit of a background in the entertainment industry many years ago. And, you know, I got thinking about, OK, so. Titanic, uh, Avatar at those time, at that time were the two highest grossing box office films of all time. I got to interview James Cameron. He directed both of those movies. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he was joking about, can you imagine trying to get the funding uh, for Titanic? I, I I go to the studio and I want him to invest, you know, a hundred million dollars in a movie that everybody knows how it ends and the main characters die and there's no chance of the sequel. You know It may be the greatest sales job of all time. But he said, the key is, when you went to see Titanic, or you went to see Avatar, the number one thing is you had to see it in the theater, right? Because of the experience. But he said people would come back to see it a second time. And when they came back the second time, they would bring a friend. I, I, I would call you and say, Andre, I just saw this movie. It's so great. I'm going to go back, come go with me and see it. And I get thinking, what business wouldn't want that? What business wouldn't want their customer to go, not only is this experience so great, I'm going to come back and buy more, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring my friends or I'm going to bring my colleagues or I'm going to get more business. So then the next level of thinking for me was, it was really interesting looking at these movie directors that they typically use the same actors over and over and over again in their movies. Uh well, why is that? Because they were reliable, they were dependable, that, that they, they could work together in a way that would create this experience for the audience. So, that was the, the realization for me that the employee experience created the customer experience. When, when you have a team of employees, and I'm not just talking about the actors that we see on camera, I'm talking about the sound crew and the camera professionals and the lighting technicians they use the same crew in every movie they make. Why is that? Because if they can create this great experience for a crew and have a great culture on the set, it makes it easier to create these experiences for the audience. The same is true in every business anywhere in the world. When we create this culture with our employees and we create an incredible experience for employees, they in turn make it happen for our customers. And that's that's what CEOs and CFOs have to understand is the very profitability. I would say the very viability of the organization depends on how do we attract and retain
0: talent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What, what I came to think about is that uh, I was, you were mentioning about customer experience, right? So I probably uh, companies started focusing on customer experience uh, in the near past, right? So it's not uh, probably maybe ten years back that people started right. focusing on customer experience. I would say, and we have roles like for myself, I'm a customer success manager, right? So we try to focus on customer experience because at the end of the day, if a customer is having a great experience, they re- are they stay with us, they refer their friends, and uh, that's what the entire game is about, right? So. When you talk about customer experience and employee experience, I think right now what you are telling us or telling me is that it should we should be looking at employee experience as the next big thing instead of just focusing on customer experience. So at, when I'm looking, uh, putting all the points together or connecting all the dots, I kind of see that this is becoming a, a full image, right? You have customer experience, you have employee experience and it, it is, making a really good picture
1: out of it, right? That, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, if, if, uh, if, if we think about it, you know, I grew up in a rural part of the United States uh, in, a, in, a, in a farming area. And, you know, it, it, it occurred to me as you were saying that, Andre, that, you know, if, if we looked out on our field and there were corn stalks in the field, it probably meant we planted corn seeds. Right, I mean, we we what what a surprise, right? The seeds that we plant become the the crop that we grow, and and what I see are some organizations that want this beautiful crop of customers that uh, keep you know that provide profitability for the organization, but yet they don't think about what seeds they're planting, and the right. seeds that we are planting is through how we acquire and train and educate and and retain. Our, our best talent, because that's how the crop of, of great customers are, is going to grow for us. And if we're not planting the seeds, we can't expect a bountiful harvest. What yeah. we have to be able to do is to attract and to retain top talent, regardless of how big or small or what industry uh, our organization is in.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, uh, what I was just thinking about, because you've been working on this customer experience in your past couple of books as well. Uh, So you must have done a lot of research, right, uh, while doing those books. So do you have any numbers that you could just churn out saying that, okay, companies who are uh, really focusing on customer experience has this or like have? reduce the uh, number of people uh, move, moving out or the attrition rate do you have any numbers that you can just put put in maybe a yeah
1: I, I don't have them in front of me but, but I, I don't let me let me just give you some round figures and and, and not not the precise number but but for example uh, in sales we want recommendations well uh, a, a customer is 75% more likely to give you a recommendation if they've had a great experience but what we find is about 70% of employees say that they aren't engaged. So how do you get a great experience that relates to a, a, a referral from a, I, I, it it's bad. Would I recommend a movie to you that I didn't like? Gee, Andre, I went to see this movie. It was boring. You ought to go see it too. I mean, nobody's going to recommend an, an inferior experience to a friend or to a colleague. Or or gee, I saw this horrible movie. I think I'm going to go back and watch it again. Nobody would do that. So it's the same situation with our businesses. And and I want you you reminded me some Andre. I want to make sure I mention. Um, one of the things we hear is that some employees say, "Well, I don't deal with customers, so I'm not in the customer experience." And and part of what we've learned over you know 20 years of working with organizations is that everybody has something to do that will impact the end customer. Uh, A project that we're working on now, part of what we found is the invoice was so unfriendly that it turned off customers. Now, when I talked to people in the accounting department, they said, oh, we just send out invoices. We don't deal with customers. Yet that was one of the very specific things that customers mentioned that in, in, in our survey, that was one of the very specific things that customers mentioned that, that bothered them about the organization. So everybody, if, if, if you're not serving a customer, an external customer, you're serving someone who does. There's something that you're doing along the way that impacts the customer experience. That's why the employee experience has to be so so great. And, and, and that's that's one of the things that we found is in every organization, You know, we talk about the employee experience, we talk about the customer experience, and it seems like at every organization there's some executive that says hey just get out there and sell something you know sales cures everything well no it doesn't what we find is if if you cut your price so you sell more and you have a you deliver an inferior experience getting an extra sale has just sped your demise i mean it hasn't it it it's exposed your your weaknesses to to more potential customers so so what we have to do is through this data, and, and again, I mean, you know, there's, there's been, and, and I'm, I know that you've seen and talk about, there's been some unbelievable numbers about uh, how, how, how people are disappointed with their managers. You know, I mean, I saw a study the other day that of uh, millennials in Gen Z, uh, between 65-70% don't feel like their manager cares about them. That, that's shocking to me. And and it's become kind of a cliche in business is that people don't work for organizations anymore. They work for their manager. They they work with their leader. And so part of what we have to do is to look at those numbers because if if you've got seven out of ten, hey, let's let's go on the low end. Let's just say you know six out of ten, three out of five. If if you've got that many people in your organization who are disconnected from their the manager that they are reporting to then how do you expect longevity with your employee? And again, remember what we said earlier, the most unrecognized expense in any organization is employees leaving and the loss of productivity and the loss of relationship capital and the loss of, of, of everything that, we, that happens there and, and the expense of, of training a new person to take that position. We have to focus on that. Because it's it's costing organizations around the world billions of dollars a year, and and you know it's easy to talk about uh, you know how many billions of dollars throughout the world. What's the costing? What's it costing your organization? You know what's it, what's it costing a small business? Uh, it's it 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 is something of incredible difficulty and challenge. Yeah, that's
0: actually I'm just thinking of you did give me a lot of information to process all, all of a sudden but out of what we spoke about right uh, you did mention about a lot on throughout the conversation we are just always focusing on uh, two things right one is employee experience one is customer experience and how both of them work in tandem and where, where both of them are interdependent on both of, uh, each other right so um you did mention about the importance of orienting the employees towards customer experience. And that is, so here, when you did mention that, right? uh, In this case, this orienting these employees, the organization, right? uh, Towards customer experience. uh, We don't talk about uh, employee experience there. We are just talking about orienting them to the customer experience. How does both of them work? So should uh, before orient, should we actually as an organization, focus on customer experience first, or should it be the employee experience that they
1: need to put priority on? I don't think you can separate the two. And I see organizations that try to create a distinction between the two. Mm -hmm. And and I think it all gets back to being a culture of experience. Uh, Here in the United States, we own the trademark on the term ultimate customer experience. And, and, And I talk about that a lot, is that, what we have to do as organizations is to say that we are focused on the experience. We are a culture of experience and we're going to create an employee experience that will compel, inspire, motivate, whatever word you want to use to uh, to do that for our employees so that they in turn will deliver that for their colleagues and, and in turn for customers. And so what, what is an experience? Well, there are three levels at which any organization interacts with customers whether it's internal or external. Level 1 is processing. Processing consists of the elements that every employee or every customer has a right to expect. You know, if we don't get that right, nothing else happens. If 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 uh, if I go to the airport and get on a plane the pilot had better be well-trained and have experience in flying a plane. The plane needs to be clean and it needs to have maintenance done on it. So it operates properly. If that, if that doesn't work, nothing else matters. Well, so the, if, if you tell an employee they'll be paid on the 15th and 30th, the check has to go in the account, the 15th and the 30th. If, if you have promised them benefits, you have to provide those benefits. If you've I mean, if you don't get that right, nothing else matters, right? Then the second level is service. And service are those steps that any organization undertakes to make it uh, frictionless, right, to, that, that, that I don't have. So, so when I go to the airport and I get on the plane, not only is the pilot trained and the plane clean and well-maintained, but the flight attendant has a smile and hands me a cup of coffee. Now, if the plane is crashing in the ocean, I don't care how hot the coffee is, right? So, so service only matters once you have processing. But the third level and the highest level is the experience. And the experience adds the elements of personalization and emotion, right? So by that, I mean, personalization means that I might have 50 new employees this day, but we're going to make sure that every individual knows their role in the organization and how they contribute to the success of the organization so that they individually feel a part of it. And that that personalization inspires emotion. And Emotion, it, it, it's interesting because we, we talk a lot in our business about the data, but we also talk about the importance of emotion. Because emotion, you, you can't create loyalty without emotion. Why would I be loyal to something I don't care about? So we want employees to be loyal. We want our customers to be loyal. That only happens through emotion. So how do we show that emotion? And, and it is through engagement that managers show that we care about you. It, it's it's by doing it's by doing surveys to ask employees what's important to you. You know, I, it, it it's amazing. And I think part of this is generational differences, but it's amazing how many employers I run into that think, hey, if we just give them a little more money, they'll be happy. When everything that we're doing, and I, I'm sure you're seeing with with many companies, Andre is it's more about the experience than it is about the compensation. Not that compensation is important. We all want to be paid for what we do. But it's it's the other things. It's the, the, the a manager that cares about me, uh, the flexibility in work schedules sometimes, or it is making a contribution. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I was talking to a friend who uh, is in HR with one of the most elite um, high level hotel brands in the world. I mean, one of the top. And, and one of the things he was talking about is that he was at one of their properties and an employee was quitting. And so he had a conversation with the employee. Why are you leaving? And her response is, I don't want to spend my life serving rich people.
0: Okay.
1: Interesting problem, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, that's our fault because we didn't frame for that employee how her work was making a contribution. So he said, I I talked with the employee and I said, so let me ask you a question. You said you don't want to serve rich people. I know that you worked with a meeting we just had of cardiologists that were here and your work made that conference happen were these professionals learned better techniques to go home and save lives you help them have an event where they learned how to save lives isn't that important and what about the couple that is not wealthy but they've saved for a long time so that they could have a, a, an incredible vacation that they've never had before and you help them have an experience they'll never forget isn't that important and he said, I came to the realization that we just think people show up and do their jobs, but today, particularly millennials and Gen Z, and there's, there's all kinds of studies to back this up, you know, they want, they want to know they, they, they're doing something with meaning. Well, it becomes incumbent on the organization to explain, just as my friend explained to that employee, that they may not be aware of the real meaning that they are creating in the marketplace. And, and, and so she stopped viewing. As a matter of fact, she, she did not quit. She stayed with the organization because she stopped viewing what she was doing as serving rich people and started thinking about the contribution that she could make to what they were going to accomplish as a result of having a meeting at that hotel or enjoying a, a, a special weekend at that hotel. So we organizationally, as HR leaders, have to make certain that we connect emotionally with our employees, so that they understand how what they do is making a difference in the organization. Or, you know, the profitability of the organization, we put X percent of that back into local communities to to serve needs in our community. Today's employee wants to know how they're making a difference. And it becomes our job to make certain that they know that.
0: Yeah, that's if I speak from my experience as well, right? Uh, I, For me, I would also want to be in a place where they're inclusive, I feel valued. Uh, and as you told, right, a compensation does play an important role. But then again, if let's say if there are five things that is uh, there, so one of them would be compensation. So other ones would be that I would want to have be in a place where I feel valued, good colleagues, uh, a good work atmosphere. And uh, And I want to make a difference. So I would be wanting to work in a place where I know that I'm making an impact in someone else's life. So those are the components that I would be looking at, right? And this was not the case probably 20 or 30 years back or for for the matter maybe 10 years back. uh, I'm, I'm I'm just curious to ask you about it. Was it the case 10 years back or like when did this transition happen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I, 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 see the, I see the transition evolving over a period of time. It, it wasn't, you know, a particular moment or anything that, that happened. Although I, I do think there are some historical events that made us look and, and you know, you can even as, as, as cliched as it sounds, look at, for example, a, a seminal event like a 9-11 that makes people go, wow, you know, right. life is really important. You, you step back and look at, at, at the importance of other things in life other than just, just going to work. But I think part of what happened is we have a generation that saw their parents working constantly, consumed constantly by work, and, and then not being regarded in high esteem by the organization they had sacrificed so much of their lives for. Uh, when I first started in the speaking business many years ago, uh, and, and I, I was still in college, that's how I paid my way through college. A lot of the, a lot of the meetings I was doing, was to be the speaker at some employee event where they gave out gold watches for people that had worked, you know, 25, 30, 40 years with the company. That doesn't happen anymore, right? I mean, it, that, that has changed. Okay, so as employees became free agents, so to speak, you know, selling their time, talent, services, and abilities to, to different organizations, they became less committed to that organization. Well, that, that maybe isn't the best thing for an organization. But what you had were managers that had an old approach, you know, because when when those managers uh, were coming up, uh, you know, their their whole thing was, "Hey, my, my paycheck cleared. I've got a job. Good good deal, right?" Um, I think now as the work, I think this is, I think it's a wonderful thing, in my own opinion, as as the workforce has become more diverse, and as the workforce has become more inclusive, what we also have to do is to understand. That our employees are going to have more diverse needs, and 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 more diverse things that will inspire them, and and we we had a layer of management that managed by balance sheet and PL statement and EBITDA, and I'm not saying those aren't important; those are those are critical. Yet that's not what you know. I, I was doing the work with a, a a big global company, and um, I, one of the things I, I did was I, I talked to their payroll department. And uh, so I asked them. I mean, what's 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 the purpose here of of the payroll department? And and they kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, "Well, we we cut checks." Well, you know, nobody jumps out of bed at six in the morning and and throws their hands up in the air and says, "Another day I can cut checks," right? So we repositioned that a little bit. We we said your purpose is to deposit the funds that that make the dreams happen for families, including your own. We deposit the funds that finance the dreams of families, including our own. Because if you want a new home, or if you want a new car, or if you want your kids to go to college, where's that money coming from? It's the money that the payroll department is depositing. And they said retention went up, uh, the culture of the department went up, because now they viewed themselves as doing something that made a difference. They were depositing money that funded the dreams of, of families, including their own, it, it changed how they looked at their own compensation. So that that may sound corny, it may sound trite, but the numbers were that retention improved, uh, uh, engagement improved, uh, performance improved. So these are the kinds of things we can do with every department, and 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 every role in our organization, and, and improve productivity and improve our ability to connect.
0: Yep. I mean. When you mentioned that, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, because when, when I was also thinking about it, uh, that uh, small things, just made, uh, just small rephrasing of their, uh, what do you call, their, what they do, made a big mm-hmm. impact on uh, the entire department, right? Just, just something that you rephrase saying that, hey, you're not just cutting paychecks, you're also, you're doing this, that you're helping uh, other people uh, kind of realize their goals, or realize uh, are helping them with their life. Uh, yeah. you, you, did that, you did mention about that statement, right? That, that actually made a big impact, right? Yeah, and, it,
1: and I think that's part of what uh, HR leaders have to realize is now because of what's happening in the workforce, because of what's happening right now that becomes part of the challenge that you have and that your managers have is to be able to connect those dots for employees so that they see that it's not just cutting checks, it's funding dreams. So that they see it's not just serving rich people, it is creating environments that deliver something that people never forget. It is doing these things that have an impact. And You know, even with the one company I was talking about earlier with with the invoice situation. You know, I mean, it's it's um, the 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 invoicing is, is such that okay, they need to see their role in the organization. That invoicing is what brings the money in, that keeps the organization going, and 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 makes certain that everybody gets paid, and and all of those things. Because a lot of times, one of the things that they don't see is the bigger picture. We have to help our employees see. The, the, the view from 30,000 feet so that they see the bigger picture and and, and 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 see how what they are doing is making a contribution.
0: We, we did speak about employee experience and how, how these things matter at this day and age, right? And how it's very, very important and how uh, companies are really embracing it. Is this something, because on your book, right, you did mention about four cornerstones of distinction. Does this have any relationship yeah it,
1: it sure does. In, in the studies that we did we saw that there were four basic cornerstones of distinction and standing out. The first one is clarity. It's being really precise about what your advantages are. So if I'm a prospective employee, what advantages does your organization have? And and that has changed in terms of what advantages that today's employee is looking for that gets back exactly to what you said earlier, Andre. It, it, it we used to think the advantage was, hey, we'll we'll pay you a thousand dollars more a year. Now it's that you get a chance to make this contribution, or mm-hmm. or you get a chance to have this particular autonomy or freedom to do your job, or you can work at you know you can work at home three days a week, or or whatever it might be. What is the advantage that you have? You have to be clear about that. Because you cannot differentiate what you can't define. If you can't be precise about what your advantage is, then you can't differentiate it in the marketplace. So clarity is first. Second is creativity. And and first we have to get clear. I used to think you, oh, let's think outside the box, let's get creative first. And that that I've discovered is the organizational problem. We we want to be creative, but we haven't been clear enough first about what our advantages are that we don't know how to be creative. So. What's something unique that you can do with employees like the steakhouse I talked about earlier that gave everyone a business card and gave everyone a bottle of wine? I mean, what's what, you don't have to do everything. It's not about being wild and disorganized, right. but it is about finding one unique thing that you can bring that employees would go, wow, that that is really unique. That's, that, it captures their attention. Right. Third is communication. How do we communicate with employees? That's the third cornerstone. And and part of what we found is that organizations need to be better at narrative, at storytelling. You know, I might not remember the exact percentages and numbers, but I will never forget the story behind it. And so every good leader, particularly in HR, Mm -hmm. needs to work on being a better storyteller. How do we capture in a story form Mm -hmm. something that employees remember? Stories are word pictures. And, and we remember what we see much, much more effectively than we remember what we hear. You know, you'll never go up to someone and say, you know, I remember your name, but your face escapes me. <laughs> right? I mean, we remember the picture, remember the face, we don't remember the words that go with it. So, so stories are these word pictures that, that people remember. And then the final one is the customer experience. And, and it's focusing on whether it's an internal customer as an employee, or the external customers of our organization that's what we need to focus on is how how does it feel to be our to be our employee you know with one of the companies i was on the board of one of the things that we found through that organization it was a manufacturing organization the best employees came from the friends of our best employees right. when we went to our best employees and said man we would love to have five more just like you right. who do you know that well first of all you better provide a great employee experience because they're not going to recommend a bad experience to their friends. Right. But if you provide a great employee experience, then they would go tell their friends, hey, you know, I've got this opportunity for you. We can work together and they it's a great experience. But we also found that, that was a great source of telling us who not to hire. Right? You know, somebody said, hey, your brother's looking for, I was sitting in one of the meetings and they said, hey, this one guy, he's factory working. He said, hey, your brother's looking for work. And he said, oh, no, 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 we don't. he he wouldn't be a good employee. So if you have this great experience, your current employees become one of your great referral sources. You know, customers refer each other. And we really, uh, the sales departments work on getting customers to refer other customers. Why don't we do more of that with employees? Uh, Some organizations do, but we, we really need to be aggressive and assertive about helping our employees help us get more good employees. I was just thinking, like, if we
0: keep talking and talking, I think this session is going to go on and on, because <laughs> we would just uh, keep asking something and then it yeah. just, um, um. but I just want to have um, kind of like a wrap up. But before that, because um, you do, you did author some seven, uh, around. Uh, you did author seven books, right? Not around <laughs> seven books to be exact. And uh, so uh, does all these books talk about employee experience or is there a certain number of books that is actually looking into it? And the question here is that, let's say, if if, if an HR or someone has to understand about the employee experience from your book, which would be the book that you would recommend?
1: Well, the, the, the book that I have that has, has talked about it most uh, importantly is Iconic. And uh, that's obviously available on Amazon and and it's an audio form and a book form, uh, ebook, hardcover, all that. So uh, of my books, that's that's the one I would recommend. Um, In terms of of books by other authors on the employee experience, I, I love the work that the Gallup organization is doing. So everything in terms of strength finders and, and and the work that they've done there has 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 been of value, but you know there's there's another book by a friend of mine. He was the uh, chief customer and experience officer at Volkswagen uh, for many years. His name is Jason Bradshaw, and Jason has a book called It's All About and it's cex and it's kind of a kind of a fun play on sex you know ce but it's cex and it that's customer and employee experience so we know CX is customer experience ex is employee experience so he's combined it to cex which is customer and employee experience and it, it it's a great book it's called it's all about cex and it it talks about the important role of how the customer experience and the employee experience are so intertwined so that's that's another book that I would 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 highly recommend by somebody who has actually been an executive and and, and working in the field.
0: Yeah, because uh, uh, I think that's important because uh, most of our viewers would be from the human resource side, right? So that yeah. that summit is already there, right? So we are looking at uh, this as an HR summit for 2021, right? Yes. So then wanted them to have a takeaway of. What are the books that they can read to, uh, uh, I mean, understand about how they can create a better employee experiences in their organization, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for the recommendation, Scott. Uh, uh, to just kind of wrap it up, right, let's just uh, we'll probably put this in, in, in a nutshell. And uh, So we were talking about how we can reimagine employee experience and also predict and prepare for the future of work experiences. Uh, so we did talk about a lot of things, uh, but if you have to put everything in a nutshell, how would you just? Uh, I mean, how would you portray that, right? Because you you have authored uh, multiple books, so you would uh, you would obviously have a, a summary at the end, back of the book because that's a short description of your entire book, right? So you are, are really good at wrapping up things. So just just. Oh, thank you.
1: I I would drive people back to the four cornerstones. Be, Be clear about what your advantages are. Work on that and be precise. Then be unique. Be creative. Find something distinctive that you can talk to employees about. Third, communication. Get better at storytelling. What is the story of the purpose and the impact that the employee can have and the story of your organization and the culture of it? And finally, the the customer experience, whether it's an internal customer or an external customer, it is focusing on, how does it feel? What's the culture? How do you deliver that on a daily basis in a way that impacts the lives of your internal and your external customers? When, When you do those four things, you're going to create distinction in the marketplace and move towards being being an, an iconic employer of choice.
0: Perfect. I think I couldn't put, put that in a better word myself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for, for me, if I have to wrap it up, I kind of think that it is height. Maybe it's a bit late at this point of time, but it is high time that all, all the employees start thinking about employee experiences, because at some point, it's going to be really, really competitive, right? That the, the entire works uh, work atmosphere or like the uh, uh, the company, uh, whatever you call it, right? Like, um, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't get the words right now, Scott. So uh, yeah, the landscape for um, hiring? Yes get very, very competitive soon, right? And it's high time that people embrace it. I mean, companies embrace employee experience and then it's it's high time that um, HR managers realize about it and they put their best foot forward and start start now, right? Or, or probably you would say that they should have start, started yesterday, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the, you know, the, the, the time you should have started was years ago and the second best time to start is right now. So, right. I mean, uh, so it's it, that you're exactly right, Andre. The important thing is to is to get started. And by the way, if if folks would like additional information about what I do or resources, just go to scottmccain.com, and we have free resources there to, to help you uh, in this journey. And and I I, I want to mention again that I am a client of Survey Sparrow and I want to thank you for the for for making it easy for us to get employees and customers to respond to surveys so that we can get the data so that we can be of service to our clients. So Andre, thank you so much for the incredible product and the incredible service and, and the incredible customer experience that that you have have provided to to our our organization. So thank you for
0: that. I would like to thank you for mentioning that as well, uh, Scott. And uh, yeah, uh, and thank you so much for coming here. And it's been incredible talking to you. I learned a lot and I'm sure the folks uh, for watching it would uh, really appreciate what it is. And as uh, Scott mentioned, if you have any uh, anything that if you want to uh, go to his website, you can go to his website, just check it out because he said that there's a lot of free content on it. So uh, yeah, and also, please do look at this book, The Iconic. It's called The Iconic, right? Yeah, it's just
1: iconic. Uh-huh. Just, yes. iconic. That, right. just iconic. Just and, iconic and that'll do it. <laughs> perfect,
0: perfect, perfect. All right, thank you so much. Scott. Thank you,
1: Andre.